Thanks, Timo. Morning, church. Morning. It's so good to be with you this morning. I'm so excited to be continuing this journey of our But God series. I have been doing that a lot uh, over the last two weeks of preparation. I thought it would not be a tongue twister, but I go, but God, God. But God, but God, but God. Okay, so I think we, we're good. I really hope you guys have had a, a phenomenal weekend. I know that that boxing match called a rugby game happened yesterday, which we won't talk about. And uh, Man United are winning, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, we've got a United fan somewhere there, you and I alone. But um, really, to, really great to be with you, uh, carrying on this, this series called But God. And essentially what we've done is we've been in a space of hearing a lot of testimony and trying to reflect on our but God moments, where God intervened when all seemed lost. We've, had, we've heard from a number of people, we heard an amazing testimony a couple of weeks ago um, about a great intervention when things seemed dire. And this is really what this but God series is. If you take away anything, you'll see that within these testimonies, there seems to be no logical no mathematical or scientific explanation of how people shifted from darkness into the light, but through God. And that's essentially what, what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. So as we continue, we're going to carry on, and I want you to do this for me. Repeat after me. Know your story. Tell your story. And tell the story. Know your story, tell your story, and tell the story. I believe that we all have a story to tell. And not just any story, but a bad God story that is there to glorify God's holy name. A story that is not just about how we encountered our bad God moment, and that was it. But really it was a catalyst of putting us forward into a season where we invited God into our lives where Jesus seemed to come in and consume us and really shed some light into our spaces. How many of us know our story? How, how, oh, we have someone. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you do. That's great. I know how many of us, that's true. So, and the reason why I asked that, and, and I'm glad there's a lot of people who do know their story, but here's why I asked that story. I was, last week, Gary was, was, was preaching, and he was going through his bad God story, seamlessly going through how, for example, he was in Israel, how he got to Israel, but he had no money to get there, but he got there through God, and how he came back, and he had no money to get back, but he got back, and how he went through a period of, a 10-year period of depression, but God. So what we have been doing, for those of you who haven't been with us, is we had these but God uh, pieces of papers on, on, our, on our chairs, and people were writing down, I was here, but God, and now I'm here. And I picked up my piece of paper, and I was ready to write, but I was blank. Not, not because I didn't know my but God story, but because I'd forgotten it couldn't articulate it. I didn't have the words that would seamlessly move me from point A to point B, but God. And that's what made me think. How many of us are in that space? How many of us do know our story? And not even knowing our story, how many of us are able to tell our bad God story? What if some of us are sitting here going, I know my story, 
I can tell my story, but I'm, I'm afraid to tell it. Some of us may be sitting here going, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know if I even have a story to tell. Maybe it's a case of I've never even bothered to know my story. So I love history. I really, I think history is so fascinating, particularly because I love looking back and seeing foundation, like how things started, how did we even get here? Like a lot of history channels, probably one of my favorite channels, my wife doesn't think it's the greatest thing ever, but uh, I love looking at, at, at things gone by to see how we got here in any space. And, and partly because foundation is quite a critical thing. Foundation is, is so amazing to see, hey, we're on solid ground or we're on sh shaky ground. So I'm going to tell you a couple of stories this morning. First story I want to tell you is a story about famous brands. For those of you who don't know, famous brands are an incredible organization that are proud of their heritage, their own companies or businesses or restaurants like Steers, Debonairs, and Fisherways, and Wimpy, and Tasha's, and Mug and Bean, and Keg, Vovotello, Milky Lane, Net Cafe, Europa, Fego, Turn and Tender, Mythos, Catch, Salsa, Lupa, 14 on Chartwell, Wackerberry, and House of Coffees. <laughs> that is famous brands. But it was never, it wasn't always that story. It wasn't always the case. See, famous brands were started by the Halamandras family who came over to South Africa from Greece in the 50s with nothing but 750 rand between them and the will to work hard to achieve something. One of the brothers, George, decided that Johannesburg needed an American-style steakhouse and he opened his very first steers in the 60s. Hard work, long hours, steers grew to become popular. More and more brothers joined with the will and this work ethic, and they grew this business from one store to another and to another. As more sto stores opened, the concept of franchising was introduced to South Africa. In March 1994, the company listed under Steers, Holding, under Steers Holdings, which had now acquired Debonairs and Fisherways. 162 outlets in the basket, the company was growing, and in 1995, the share price was all of 92 cents, with a market cap of just under 70 million rand. The family wealth was now sitting at 40 million after 37 years. They were a little bit despondent, shame. Um, <laughs> oh, really, shame. <laughs> They were still they were a little bit despondent. So what they did is they, they got to work. They worked hard. They grew the business. And in 2018, this is what their results held, were read. The number of people employed at head office, not including the outlets, 3,500 people. Revenue in 2013 was 2.5 billion rand. In 2018, it was 7 billion rand. Operating profit in 2013 was 300 million rand. In 2018, it was 930 million rand. The share price in 2018 from 92 cents in 95 was now 104 rand per share. Why am I telling you the story and why do I know the story? I know the story because the business required me to know the story. It was part of their starter pack for every employee that started within the business. 
They wanted us to know that the warehouses and the regional offices and the manufacturing plants and the trucks and all of these outlets didn't just appear. That hard work was hardwired into the fiber of this business. What if our Savior requires us to know our story and tell our story so that we can magnify the name of Jesus Christ to grow his kingdom? I have another story to tell you. This story is close to my heart. It's the story of my mom. My mom loves to tell me her story. She tells it to me for many reasons, sometimes to discipline me and sometimes to guide me. So last year, I'm going through a tough time. I'm chatting to Ross about how tough business is, and Ross is saying, you got to pray. So I was like, bugger off. I'm tired of hearing that. <laughs> so I, I, I must have a chat with my mom. I said, Mom, going through a tough time. Business is tough. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Uh, I don't know why this is happening to me. Why is this happening to me? While all my friends are going to Croatia, some are going to Greece, and some are going to Australia, et cetera, et cetera. Why me? So she says, I want to tell you my story. And I said, Mom, I know your story. She says, I want to tell you a story, my story. I said, I know your story, woman. I wrote it for you. So she says to me, sit down, I want to tell you my story. I said, okay, I love my mom. I think sometimes it's not telling, she wants to command. So instruction is sit down, so I, I sit. She says to me, you know, you know when I left my teaching, I left a very promising teaching profession. I said, yes, mom, I know. She said, no, you're not listening to me. I left a promising teaching profession which had promising teaching friends. Our destinies were clear, she says. We would earn a set income, marry good men, have school holidays, shop at Pip, (laughs) and just be great. And my friends would ask me, you leaving that for what? to sell sugar, baked beans, cold drinks, and flour? You're leaving this teaching profession? And she says, that is the teaching profession that I left. See, God had put something into my dad's heart. My dad was, had, had been praying about this, and God had said to, to him, you need to create an amazing shopping experience for the rural people of your community by making available good merchandise at affordable prices. Employ these people so that they can support their families to the glory of my name. So my mom shares this vision with my dad, and my mom says no. So my dad says, I'm going to name the business after you. So my mom says, let's go. (laughs) She was sold. My parents were married in 1982, and in 1983, my brother was born, my my older brother. She says, when I decided to teach, leave the teaching profession, I used to walk to and from our spaza shop that we had. My teaching friends, who are now also married, would drive past me, laughing at the fact that I was still walking. They would say, what were you thinking following such an old man? My mom was now 27 years old, and my dad, nine years her senior. What was incredibly hurtful was not that they were laughing at me walking, my mom says. She said, I was pregnant, and I was pregnant with you. In 1985, you were born, and a few weeks later, I returned to work. And she says, when she got to, the, to, to her store again, the infrastructure was virtually non-existent. There was no electricity, and to make ends meet, they used uh, gas and, and candles for light. The ability to buy 
cool, uh, uh, to serve cold drinks, they had to go 40 kilometers away. So my dad would drive, would get into a taxi, 40 kilometers by ice, and pray that the ice wouldn't melt by the time it got to the store. There was no shop floor. It was just dirt. And my mom would often get on her knees every night to polish the floor so that it would look respectable every day when people came to shop. The long story is, my mom says, she would say to me, it was tough, but God enabled me to send all four of my children to private school, and I never missed one school payment. It was hard, but, never, but God never allowed me to miss a trading day for any reason whatsoever. It was difficult, but God showed me the world. I traveled to Egypt, to Spain, to Greece, to Hong Kong, Turkey, and Mauritius, and I never paid one cent. I leave the story pumped, not for anything else, not because I'm motivated, but because I finally know my compass. See, this story is not my story. It's my mom's story, but it's my guiding principle. You see, if I didn't know my mom's story, I might have grown up thinking that I was just supposed to go to private school or just that she was supposed to pay for university and I was just supposed to get my degree. If I didn't know any better, I would think that, hey, we have a shop and there's cool drinks. Yum, let's take some. Got a big hiding for that one day, I tell you that. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's knowing the foundations because what you don't want to happen is you don't want to be like the kids of 2000 who don't know what an envelope is. Or reverse call charge. You know, reverse call charge. I, I, my mom must pay for it. I want to talk to her now. But no, this, this preach, this sermon is really not about my in my time days. This preach is about knowing when but God intervened. We have a church story. You know that our church was really founded by a guy called Malcolm Hedding, who came back from Israel wanting to teach about the fact, the fact that the gospel and the church had emerged from a context, and that context was Israel. The church in those days was based on Old Fort Road. And, and, and Malcolm was really a, a, a teacher type of, of, of pastor. He really loved the idea of, of, of engaging from a teaching point of view rather than from a preaching point of view. As, as the church grew, I beg your pardon, let me drink some water. As the church grew, there was a, a need and a calling that the church needed to change its direction a period of transition, if you like, that it needed to attract a more younger crowd. And through everybody's acknowledgement, it seemed that everybody knew that Malcolm wasn't the leader to take that into that space. So the community at that time prayed and waited for a leader. At that time, the, the, the church was only um, having night services. That period of transition was, was tough. It was a really tough period because there was this feeling that we needed to do something about attracting a young crowd, but where was this leadership going to come from? And then I came, and the church grew. <laughs> and then Ross came, and Ross was called into this space. And the church at the time was 400 strong, like I say, but when he came into that space, it went down to 80 people. But there was a feeling that we were doing the right thing. 
It moved from Old Fort. It came into the space. So when our But God moment happened, the church is now a multi-campus site with multiple services. See, if we do not know that story, we might, just, we might think that this eight-piece band just happened. There's big speakers here, just happened to be here. This big screen just happened to be here. And that this air conditioner, which is so cold, it makes the Woolies shopping experience feel like the equator, <laughs> just happened. <laughs> you might think it just happened. So what does the Bible say? about us not telling our story. For that, we're going to look at Judge, Judges 2 from 6 to 14. Here's some context. So Moses led his people to the desert and to near the promised land. God shows them the promised land, but Moses doesn't make it. Joshua takes the people into the promised land. There's a lot of prosperity and, and, and a lot of great things that happen into that space. And we're going to look at it from there. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of their land, each to their own inheritance. The, the, the tribes of, of Israel went and took possession of the land that they were given. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and, one of, and, and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Harris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gush. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They, they followed and worshipped various gods and peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of the Ashtoreths, of the raiders and who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, they, the hand of the Lord was against them to, the, to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Paraphrasing it, the Bible says God raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of the raiders, they, yet they would not listen. They prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped and worshipped them, turned against their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Israel refused to give up their evil, words, their evil ways. The Bible says they violated the covenant God ordained for their ancestors. See, what happened is they had forgotten that they were slaves for 400 years, but God heard their cry and sent them Moses and Aaron. They had forgotten that Pharaoh refused to free them, but God sent them deadly plagues that ravaged the land of their slavery. They had forgotten that Pharaoh and his army chased them into the desert, but God, sent, but God washed them away by closing the, the sea. And not one of Pharaoh's armies made it out alive. They had forgotten that they were in a desert, but God covered them with a great cloud, drew water from a rock, and provided manna so that they would never go hungry. And they had forgotten that when they arrived at the land of their inheritance, they were met with so-called unconquerable giants. But each enemy was delivered into the hands of the Israelites. 
The sad thing about this generation that had now been raised is not just that they'd forgotten about this, they actually didn't know their story. Israel stopped telling their story. Have you forgotten yours? Have you forgotten how to tell your story? And, and, and what's fascinating about even Israel is that they'd forgotten their story through prosperity. They'd forgotten it because things were so good. They'd forgotten it because they were riding high and mighty. And maybe you've been in that space. Maybe you've been there where things have been going so well for you and somebody approaches you and says, man, you look like you're doing so well. How did you get there? And you come and you say, you know what? It's been through hard work. It's been through blood, sweat, and tears. It's been through a lot of sacrifice. And people applaud you. Let me challenge you today. If people applaud you for the story about yourself that has everything to do with you, you're telling the wrong story. You're telling the wrong story. Your but God story is missing your but, but God moment. So as I was telling you, uh, I, I, was, I was going through so much in, in my space. There was a lot happening in my little season. My car had been stolen and recovered. Um, my, the business was going through a massive period of transition. We have been given a lot of work, but we haven't been able to meet it because our human resource has been lacking. And it's just been a lot of pressure on my shoulders. And I, I've just been swamped. Things have been going so badly well, if I can say it like that, that I just didn't know what to do. So when I encountered Gary saying his God moment, and he says, write yours on your testimonial, I was just blank. I had forgotten. I couldn't articulate my bad God moment. I forgot that when I was 17 years old, I was hijacked, taken out to a fields outside the town. I had a gun pointed at me. I asked to kneel on this, like, it was like this, this thatch of grass that was yay high. And these guys, two guys came and they hijacked me. I asked me to kneel. Gave them my wallet and they said, okay, turn around and kneel. I obeyed thinking they, might, they all just ran away. And I pointed a gun at me, and he pulled the trigger, and the gun didn't go off. And he did it again. He played with the gun, and I turned around, looked at it, and he was panicking a little bit. He played with the gun, he pulled the trigger in my face, and the gun didn't go off. So I got up, and I, I chased after the one guy, and I had him in a, in a neck lock position. I was like, come here, this is rubbish. And I was looking at this guy, he's hitting me behind me. I'm turning around, I'm seeing where he is. He takes the gun, he points it out in the air, and the gun goes off. They let me go that day. I had forgotten that when I arrived in Durban, I had my car and my whole life packed in, in, in me and the will just to work. But God has used me in spaces of school, in places of education, in places of business, in places of employment. I, I'd forgotten that when I was 27 years old, I'd broken up with this amazing girl, not as amazing as you, babe, but as amazing girl. <laughs> Uh, who, it was just, there was no connection. I was like, oh no, this is not happening, break up. And I was like, this is it, I'm single for life, no more. But I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world. Sorry, Gaza, she's number two. <laughs> See, it's, it's amazing that when we are in trouble or when we are in a mess, the mess itself clouds our ability to go, 
I've been through this. I've got a bad God moment. Maybe you start like this. Maybe you go, remember when? To yourself or to other people. Remember when I lost my job and I didn't know where the money was going to come from, but God. Remember when I was too sick to get out of bed, the doctors told me my time was limited, but God. Remember when I woke up in the middle of the night and I cried out, is this what life is all about? And I knelt by my bed, but God heard my cry. And, and story is not just about knowing story, isn't it? Story is as much about knowing story as it is about telling story. I had to tell you that we have the greatest storyteller of all time. God is the greatest storyteller. You know, if you know the book of Job, Job was loved by God a great deal. And the devil comes and says, I bet you if I test this guy long enough, he's going to forsake you. And God says, not a chance. So they make it a go, go for it. So Job is getting tested and tested and tested, and he becomes angry with God. So he goes, ah, God, who do you think you are? Where, what's going on with you? I don't even, I don't think you, I don't think I believe in you anymore. So God says, Brace yourself like a man. I'm going to tell you some, I'm going to ask you some questions and you're going to answer. He says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out the measuring lines across it on where its, or where its footings are set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed the limits for it and set its doors in the bar and bars in its place, when I said, this is as far as you may come, come no further. Here is where your proud waves halt. God, the storyteller. Or Jesus, the storyteller. Remember the parable of the lost son. Two, a father has two sons. Wealthy father, one son sees this wealth and his inheritance. He says, Dad, I want your, my inheritance now. Some people interpret that as, as going, because remember, your inheritance comes when you are left by your father, when your father passes away. Some people interpret it as that, that this father was saying, I wish you were dead so I could have what's mine. He says, I want my inheritance now. So his father gives him his inheritance. This guy buggers off to Josie, big world, big city. Has a job, meets new mates. Spends everything that he earns, forgets that he, and his mates forget him. He's sitting in a pigsty somewhere. And he, remakes, he has a moment of realization that even his father's servants eat better than he does. So he makes peace with the fact that he's okay, I'm going to practice. He's going to go, right, I'm going to arrive at home. I'm probably going to kneel in front of my dad. I'm going to say, dad, I'm so sorry. All I want to do is just work for you. That will be even better than where I am right now. And Jesus tells the story of the son coming home and the father looking out into the horizon and he sees this figure and immediately knows who that son is. And the father runs towards this boy Runs and runs and runs. And even before the, guy, the little boy could say, I am, this father says, you come here. Holds him tight. He says, you were lost, but now you were found. Bring him some water. Get him some, bath him if you have to. And we're going to have a feast because he's home. You see, 
if we don't tell our story, we, we, we will ask people to sacrifice for something they don't even know. We will ask people to, we, we will want people to come into our spaces, but they don't even know our stories. How can we ask people to sacrifice for something they don't even know? So not only do we have a responsibility to tell our own stories to others, but we have a responsibility to tell the greatest stories ever written to ourselves. That in the beginning, God created heaven and earth and said, and said, let there be light, and there was light. And he created the creatures of the sea and every living thing. But there's more to this story. Or this little kid named David, and David was a shepherd who looked after his father's sheep, fighting lions and bears who would dare try to eat any. David was the last born in his family of brothers. And this little kid went on to fight a giant that no one would fight. The giant was called Goliath, and he beat this giant with a sling and a stone. But there's more to the story. Or Solomon, the wisest of God's chosen people, leaders. You know what happened? Two women claiming to be the mother of one child come to, to Solomon and say, that's my child. And this other woman says, no, that's my child. So Solomon says, I've got just the right thing to do here. Bring me a sword. He gets a sword. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut this baby in half. Boom. You have one and you have one. As he's about to cut this, one mother says, no, please don't. Rather give it to the, the lady that claims that it's hers. And that's when Solomon knew whose mother, whose child the mother belonged to because no mother would want to see their child slain in half like that. Or the story of Paul, first called Saul, who hated Christians. He hated them. He, he used to chase after them, to persecute them. But God had plans. Had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Was blinded, was sent into Damascus. And that same Paul, who that, that same Saul who became Paul, became the greatest advocate of Jesus Christ as we know it in the New Testament. What about the story of a young child born in a manger who would become the savior of the world, who turned the status quo upside down by loving the unwanted, healing the sick, inviting the broken into his space. He would feed the hungry and he promised to be back he promised back then that he would build a church that not even the gates of hell would tear down. That love was so deep that he hung on the cross for you and I. And he died and was buried. But there's more to that story. Because three days later, he rose from the dead as he promised he would. Ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of your father. You have to know your story. You have to tell your story, and you have to tell the story. The story of Jesus Christ, who promised that the spirit that he carried inside him now lives in each one of you and I. You know the most incredible thing about our little church story is the church that, that went from 400 to 80 and to where it is right now? The bad God story of that is a story that is you. You are the miracle. 
seated right there. Because every time there's moments where we get to see, like at the quarter past eight service, people coming into this little piece of water here and committing themselves to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. You are the bad God story of Olive Tree. Know your story. Tell your story. Write it down if you have to. But most importantly, tell the story of Jesus Christ so that the generation that is to come will not be like the generation of Israel and Judges that would forget because, and not even know the story of, of their ancestors. We have an innate responsibility to tell these stories. So my challenge to you is write it down, sing it loud, tell somebody. I understand it's precious, and maybe not everybody deserves to hear our stories. I believe that. I believe that not everybody hears our story, but you have a, you have a responsibility to be able to articulate your story because your story is a story of sacrifice. It's a story that has been called to God, and it's a bad God story that maybe somebody needs to hear that will lead them, just like I was led, by that compass to my Savior. It will ignite somebody, not to, for as an end, but as the beginning of something fantastic. Please stand. As we pray, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of Jesus. And so, um, you know, I find that uh, we don't tell our story because it's meant to be boring. 